Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Stop up. It. Pop pass up in the middle. Got Tucker's got it. Ruby run. 15-10. Hit and in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It goes to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing in the miss. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On The Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7 FM heard wherever you are whatever you are doing on the ESPN app seen heard and everything in between ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages on the wonderful magical special place on the internet. I hear Elon Musk is interested in buying it. QSportsTalk.com. It's a magical website where you uh, can watch a radio show in progress. You can participate in the radio show in the live chat by leaving us your comments throughout the program. You get the show within the show, meaning when the radio audience goes to commercial break. Come on, you know the rest of this, right? We put the mic on. We put the camera on. We keep talking to you because... You feel like you're in like some kind of special club, right? You ever go to a restaurant and somebody orders something at the restaurant, but you you call the waiter over, you're like, listen, I know this isn't not on the menu, but you think you can make this for me? And they're like, we got you, because we can do that. That's kind of like the, the, the people that hang out during the radio breaks. Wait, there's more? There's a place I can still get content and conversation even during commercial breaks? Sure is. Just come on by. We'll be there. Don't tell everybody about it. But, you know, just come on. Come on in. We'll be there. We'll be there. How is your Tuesday going? It is eleven twenty two twenty two. It is a Syracuse basketball game night. Reminder that uh, you get a, a bonus Uncle Brent appearance later tonight as Syracuse, <laughs> they say 9 o'clock. But we all know that's a lie. <laughs> we all know that ain't happening, right? But we'll be here uh, later on this evening for Syracuse basketball pregame to get you ready for Syracuse and St. John's second straight night of Syracuse basketball. We'll certainly be discussing that here in the monologue shortly. So hang out with us later tonight. Um, on this program today, we have two guests joining us that we're excited to talk about. Speaking of Syracuse basketball, unfortunately, the first loss for Felicia, uh, Felicia, say it slowly, Brent. Felicia Leggett, Jack, and company last night at Penn State had a lead, lost the fourth quarter lead, and uh, got that first loss on the road. So we'll get uh, Felicia's perspective on that, what they learned from that loss, what the film told them, and uh, all the 
Syracuse women's basketball discussion. You can handle, bub. It's all coming your way with Felicia later in the program, presented by our friends at Wegmans and Bill Rapp Superstore. We will also chat today with Syracuse Crunch head coach Ben Grew right here in this hour. What a weekend for the Crunch in terms of milestones. The franchise attained its 1,000th victory. Just the seventh AHL team to cross that threshold. Ben Grew now with 300 wins in the American Hockey League. Only 20 coaches in the history of the league have done that. He is on the list. He should be in the National Hockey League, but uh, we enjoy talking to him on this show. If we're going to have him here in Syracuse and watching him uh, do the magical things that he does with this Crunch team, who, by the way, has won four in a row, five of their last six. The Crunch are home tomorrow night. The Crunch are home Friday night. The Crunch are home Saturday night. So if you're looking for something to do uh, this week, certainly the Wine and Chocolate Festival coming up this weekend is something that I would recommend. And Lights on the Lake is up and running. So plenty of things to do for your family and friends coming in from out of town. Don't forget about the Crunch that are home. See, you know, that night before Thanksgiving, that's tomorrow. But I was thinking about this today. So, look, I'm 44 years old, which is not like really old, but it's old enough like the thought of going out the night before Thanksgiving now is just no. Just not interested in it and get as far away from that as I possibly can. But that's what you used to do, right? That's what you'd get together with your old high school friends. A lot of high school reunions take place the night before Thanksgiving or sometime this weekend, which is great. And that's fantastic. And I always love getting together with the old crew from Bishop Ludden, the 96 from the class of 96. But I was thinking about this today. Do you know where your reunions are now when you get to my age and you get a little older? Wegmans. And I'm fine with that. You see somebody, you say hello, you catch up, and it's all done. Okay, happy Thanksgiving. See you later. Don't have to buy you a drink. Don't have to do it. Not that I wouldn't mind doing that, but it's just like, it's so convenient to see the people you need to see. Just go to Wegmans, right? Yeah, it's busy. It's two days before Thanksgiving. Tomorrow, the day before Thanksgiving, might be a few people there, but it is so much more worth it because you know what I want to do the night before Thanksgiving? I want to sleep. I want to sleep because my dog gets up at three in the morning. The thought of just sleep. That's, that's when you know you're old, my friends. That is when you know you are old because it used to be, ah, go out, see everybody, have some drinks, get a good time. Nope, nope, nope. Just, Sleep. That's it. But if you want to do the catch-up thing, just go to Wegmans. You see everybody. And it's done. And it's over with. And bada-bing, bada-boom. Anyway, free advice from Uncle Brent today. Uh, Let us start with what you think we would start with today, and that is some discussion with Syracuse basketball. And what we saw last night, early in the season, in just game four of this season, is something you cannot teach. It is something that Jim Beheim can talk about. You can talk to former players about, but until you know, you know. And now they know. And that is to be put in a situation where the game is tight, it's back and forth. Richmond, in this case, has found your flaw, and they're leaning on it, but you're finding ways to overcome that. You can't teach that. You can't teach that for a young Judah Mintz. You can't teach that for a young Chris Bell, who we'll get to in a second here, in the emergence of those players. 
Joe Girard has been there and done that, yet still makes some of the same dumb mistakes that he does in these games, which we will get to as well. But even for a player that's been around the block a few times, like you got to get that old magic back because it didn't come in the Lehigh game. It even didn't come in the Colgate game because Colgate just controlled that game. And Syracuse, just no matter what it did, could not get back into that game because Colgate would just hit another three on the next possession. It certainly doesn't come in the Northeastern game because you are in control of that game, and it's just one of those expected kind of walk-in-the-park games. Last night, we said it going into not only last night's game, but this two-game set with St. John's to come tonight. There's something about going on the road, playing in New York City. Yeah, it's not Madison Square Garden, but it's still New York City. Knowing you're on national television for the first time, you can either embrace that or you can wilt under that kind of pressure. This team embraced it. And you know what? It was messy. They didn't rebound, but they overcame it. They weren't spectacular from the three-point line outside of Joe Girard and a few from Chris Bell, but they overcame that, right? Their defense, it was one extreme or the other. It was either really good, and I don't know what Richmond did in the last five minutes of that game. All of a sudden, they kind of abandoned some things that were working offensively, but you'll take it, right? You will take it. They're not really doing what they did before, so nobody say anything about that. It's like when a pitcher's throwing a no-hitter. Nobody talk about this, okay? But the defense was markedly better down the stretch. As Jim Beheim said here and used a great word to describe it, the defense, which is not easy with so many young players interjected into it, was patient. They were really patient, and it's, it's really difficult to play defense for 30 seconds, and they make you do that. Uh, but other than... There was three or four obvious plays where Chris should have come up, Benny should have come up, and they got four threes out of it. If they, we had taken that away, it would have been a really good defensive effort. And they were great defensively, even though Jesse Edwards got into foul trouble. He had struggled defensively. But when it mattered, that kicked in. That feeling kicked in, right? Oh, wait a minute. This is what it's like to be in a game like this. I know this feeling. And he made some key plays, some critical plays down the stretch of that game. Here's Jim Beheim on Jesse's inside presence just being key to this team in general. Yeah, I mean, they're they're staying with him. So when Judah drives, he gets a layup, it's because they're staying with Jesse. They're not they're not coming off him. They know we can throw the lob, and so they're not coming off him. They're staying with him, which a guy like Judah can get his way in there and get to the basket. That's what he does. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's a big, big help. Jesse made big plays. Now, when you get 31 points from Joe Girard, you got to take that. But I'm with Jim Beheim here. Because when Jim Beheim talked about Joe Girard, here's what he said. Joe had a great first half, and then he tried too much in the second half. He's got to figure the balance out. And when he gets good shots, he makes them. His second half, he, he did have two or three good ones he missed. You're going to miss. But then he took a couple he shouldn't. And in some of those situations, both you and him get in the lane, and Jesse's got to be found. We have to find Jesse. Jesse has to move better, but we have to find Jesse down there. Oh, for the love of all that's holy, if I could hug a soundbite, I would hug it right there. Joe Girard at 31 points. I'm not taking that away from Joe Girard, but by now we know that Joe Girard can score. Now that Joe's at the two, he has even more freedom to shoot the ball and score. But, man, did he take some dumb shots in the second half of that game. And I know that Joe has done this his entire career. 
And Joe is somebody who, I'm, I'm sorry, he's not a good defender. He's not a reliable defender. Sometimes he's not even interested in defense. So when he plays games like this, when he's got 31 points, obviously you'll take that. You need scoring. That's what he does. But, man, does he take some dumb shots when there's plenty of time on the shot clock, when there's other people open, when he doesn't have to. Just because he's feeling it, right? Shoot or shoot. And he gets that mentality. It's like, no, see, you're a veteran player now. You're a senior now. You don't have to take that shot. You can't take that shot. You can't play the same way now as you did three years ago, two years ago, even last year. You have to lead by example. You can't take these shots. And I get there's a balance there. It's easy for me to watch from my couch and see this, but he should see these things because he's been there and done that. Man, what a learning moment for Judah Mintz late in that game when he gets the play up the court and there's Jesse open and he had the right idea. Get the ball to Jesse, he's open. It's just, man, if he had another half second, maybe he made it happen. But it's court awareness, it's clock awareness and practicing those things and it just comes with reps. Now he's got that banked in his head. The next time they're in that spot, the next time he's in that spot and they'll be there again, now he knows what to do. Chris Bell finding himself last night because I'm watching the first few games and frankly, I'm saying, what are we doing here? Like, what is it with this kid? I'm not saying this critically. I'm just asking it rhetorically. Like, what what do they see in this guy that he's consistently started and we saw it last night? Now we see it. He hasn't gotten looks. He got some looks today and he can shoot. So I'm surprised. You know, when he does, when he misses, he was four for eight. I'm surprised he missed a couple of those. He's a really good shooter. The problem is he gives up, he gave up three threes and got hit 11 points, gave up three threes. The other problem is he played 33 minutes and had one rebound. And he told me he never rebounded in high school, and I believe him now. You know, he's got to find a way. There you go. So it's a real yin and yang with Bell, yet he's starting. He's the guy. He's the best option there. That's a problem, though. You can't have somebody be on the floor for 33 minutes at his position and get one rebound. So that's something to watch. Because so for Jim to say, he told me he never rebounded in high school, and I believe him now. Like Even Jim, in his unique Jim Beheim way, is kind of like, I don't even know why he's out there either, right? Obviously, he knows why I'm being facetious there. But at least... Last night, we got that almost Joe Girard-like reminder of, like, okay, that's it right there. He can shoot. But he's got to do the other rules that come with that, right? Jim Beheim asked, and this is something we've heard a million times, but doesn't hurt to hear it again, about, well, why are these certain players playing in that particular spot? And I'm not disagreeing with the line. I think the lineups were fine. I think Jim was right in this case. At this stage of the year, we're going to play the guys that we think can win the game for us. We're not going to just play everybody. That's nothing unusual. It's what we do, always have done, and what most coaches do. So, But I would keep an eye on Chris Bell there. I would keep a very close eye on that. But, man, it was messy, and you look at the flaws and you say this can't continue, but they still gutted out a, a back-and-forth game. They played patient defense against a team it's not easy to be patient against. Your point guard, your freshman point guard, learned a, a lesson he cannot learn on the floor at the Carmelo Anthony Center. But you can't learn it on the floor at the Barclays Center. Now you get St. John's tonight, a 5-0 and team, 
that I admittedly didn't watch the whole game last night and a couple other things going on after the Syracuse game, but I kept an eye on it. Free throws matter. St. John's made some big free throws down the stretch in that game. I'm impressed with that team, and I think we're going to see a great game tonight. And by the way, folks, we'll get into this more later in the show. St. John's, they haven't played since 2016. But St. John's has a little bit of a streak going here on Syracuse. And you may recall the last time these two played, Syracuse got smoked. It was one of the worst losses in the history of the Dome. Jim Beheim comes to the press conference and does something he frankly rarely does and put everything on him. He shielded the players from what was just, frankly, a pathetic performance, losing 93-60 to St. John's, and just said every question was, nope, that's my fault, that's on me, I'm the coach, blame, like, just took the heat for all of that. I know that was in 2016, and this is 2022, I understand that, but this St. John's team has, not that these guys played on that team, but this recent history, For those that remember when Syracuse and St. John's played regularly, they've got the edge here. So in kind of a macro level look at it, Syracuse kind of owes St. John's one thing. Now, this is not in Madison Square Garden, but you're telling me that Syracuse and St. John's are going to play in the greater New York City area? It could be, you know, in Central Park for all I care. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. That feels right. That feels right. And... I'm not going to get into the, you know, they should have never left the Big East and all these ridiculous takes that we hear every time Syracuse plays Villanova or plays St. John's or plays Georgetown. But I'm not going to deny that, man, it feels right that these two teams are playing tonight. That I will not deny. Oh, no. So there's a lot more to get into on the Syracuse basketball front. But bottom line is they did something last night that you just can't practice. They got in a tight spot, and they found a way, and it wasn't perfect. There was a lot of flaws that, frankly, they have to be better at tonight if they're going to beat St. John's. But you walked away from that game feeling like that's a good win. That's a win that helps the team. That's one of those kind of postcard moments throughout the season. You could look back on it and say, hey, man, the way they beat Richmond, it's a good thing they got that win, right, as opposed to – This time last year when they went to the battle for Atlantis and it was the opposite feeling. It's like uh, they're losing too many of these games and it's going to come back to bite them. And as we felt that way then, that's why, look, it's a long season and things have to get better and develop and all that stuff. But you can just kind of tell what kind of team you have, even this early in the year. And at this part of last year, I think we all were starting to say, "Uh uh-oh. With this team, now I'm starting to say, Oh, wait a minute. There could be something here. There could be something here. That was a big step forward last night. And the interesting thing is, in five hours, they could take a big step back. I believe that was the song Paula Abdul sang one time. Two steps forward, I'll take two steps back. I'll stop. But that's the beauty of basketball. Another game comes. What did you really learn from last night? Because you get to put it out there on the court again tonight against the good St. John's team. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. That it is, friends. Welcome back. Great to have you on board. Around the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. We'll do a quick little segment here so we leave time to 
chat with our friend Felicia Leggett-Jack, the Syracuse women's basketball head coach. They unfortunately got their first loss of the season last night. Yeah, I know. It's going to happen. Um, tough fourth quarter, blew the lead, and uh, some lessons to be learned on the road at Penn State, and those lessons will be shared by the head coach coming up shortly. But on the Syracuse-St. John's front, don't forget we got pregame coming up tonight for that matchup. Jordan, um, remind me, what time are we officially doing pregame? Because the game time's 9 o'clock, but there's no way on God's green earth that game starts at 9 o'clock. So remind me what time we're officially starting pregame tonight. Are we doing 8 or 8.30? We are doing 8.30, and we should because that's, you know, because <laughs> there's no way that game starts at 9 o'clock. Uh, St. John's is 5-0. and They have defeated Merrimack, Lafayette, Central Connecticut, Nebraska, and Temple. Temple was a good game. A back-and-forth game, not quite as entertaining as Syracuse and Richmond was. And look, at the end of the day, it's always better to win those entertaining games that Syracuse played in. It was flawed. It was messy. Rebounding was bad. Defense was either hit or miss. And there's certainly some things you could point at. Even Joe Girard dropping 31 points and just jacking up dumb shots in the second half of that game. And if you don't believe me, then... Maybe you believe Jim Beheim, who said the same thing. So he had a great first half, and then he tried too much in the second half. He's got to figure the balance out. And when he gets good shots, he makes them. His second half, he, he did have two or three good ones he missed. You're going to miss. But then he took a couple he shouldn't. And in some of those situations, both you and him get in the lane, and Jesse's got to be found. We have to find Jesse. Jesse has to move better, but we have to find Jesse down there. Ding. So... From what I saw from that St. John's Temple game, I admittedly didn't watch the whole thing. I kind of kept an eye on it while I was doing some other things after the Syracuse game. They are athletic. See, Richmond is a deliberate kind of Princeton offense, test your patience on defense kind of team. This may be more of a game that this, now this Syracuse St. John's game, I anticipate to go at a quicker pace, but there were certainly times last night that game went at a pace when Syracuse could dictate things, when they did get some rebounds, when they did push the ball, when Mintz was aggressive, you know, quick offense, get up there, get a shot off, right? They tested you on the defensive end, but you kind of made them play something they didn't want to on the offensive end. And, man, how about that sequence at the end of that game? Has anybody taken the sequence from the end of the Syracuse-Richmond game when Richmond got, I believe, five rebounds on one possession? took six shots on the last possession, not one of them close to looking like anything that resembled a quality shot. Can someone please put the Benny Hill theme under that? Because that was quite a sequence. But you need a little luck on your side when these things happen, right? So all told, for Syracuse to go to overtime, to overcome some flaws, to get Chris Bell involved, to give Judah Mintz that experience, look, you know Joe Girard's going to score. When he's on a heater, you got to let him do his thing. He's got to cut back on the dumb shots, though. He's got to play defense, too. Just pretend you're interested in playing some defense. But huge confidence booster. And you sometimes you walk off the court like that, and you're, you're just feeling so good. You're like, I wish I could play again tomorrow. Hey, guess what? In this case, you do. You get to play again tomorrow. You get an old... Biggie's not that this matters to the team and the players, but to people like me and to the fans that remember the days of the Big East and appreciate the days of the Big East and even appreciate the days when Chris Mullen is coaching at St. John's and bringing that back. And when Syracuse plays Georgetown, there's Patrick Ewing. Like, it's a nice 
tip of the cap to old school fans that appreciate that series. It just feels right that if you're going to be in New York City, you might as well play St. John's. I wish it was MSG. You wish it was MSG, but hey, we'll we'll take what we can get in this case. But I feel like this game is going to be much more suited to keeping pace with St. John's back and forth athletic basketball, which Judah Mintz can do and wants to do, which much as Joe can put up some shots that make me pull my hair out, he can get into the flow of that game. Like, it's early. I'm not writing any of this in ink, but to me this feels more like an old-school Syracuse team that will be better off pushing the pace, that will be fun, that will not use these, you know, kind of like Richmond, using possessions right to the end of the shot clock. Like I just feel like this team is better suited to push the ball. To, now, that can be detrimental at times because, you know, when you've got a younger point guard, when you've got some players out there that don't have the experience, in the case of Chris Bell, in the case of Quadir Copeland, guys that are he didn't play much last night. But that can lead to turnovers. That might be the best stat from last night's game. I wanted to mention this. Glad I remembered it. So, yeah, Richmond out-rebounded you, and there were some things that tilted the other way. You know what tilted heavily Syracuse's way? Turnovers. They didn't turn the ball over, and boy, did Richmond turn the ball over. And boy, did Syracuse just cash in those points. That came from playing zone exclusively. Now, the zone was a little, you know, bend but don't break at times. I'll put it that way. But you commit to a defense, and it works. Defense, unfortunately, an issue for the women's team last night. We'll get the thoughts from Syracuse head coach Felicia Leggett-Jack on that when we come back. Stay right there. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Great to have you here on the block ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. We're just uh, talking about uh, pies and Thanksgiving food, of course. And uh, I reminded our friends here on QSportsTalk.com as uh, Matt joins us for the blind side here shortly. I, so I make a pecan pie. Some say pecan, I say pecan because it's just fun to say. It's like toucan, Sam, pecan pie. It has to have exactly 36 caramels in it. It's a pecan Caramel pie. 36 exactly. Do normal pecan pies have? No, not caramel? everybody okay. puts caramel in their pecan. Because I thought it's like a molasses y kind of thing. Right. There's different kinds of pecan pie, pecan pie. I want to try the sweet potato pie. With like the marshmallow? I got to go with that. Have you I got to gotta make that. I've not made one. You've Every year it comes one. up and I just forget and don't do it. Got to do it. Delicious. I'm give or take with that. 36 caramels. Exactly. What's your have to have it if you can only eat one thing on Thanksgiving? See, my family's not a huge Thanksgiving family. Okay. We're not a big family to begin with. Okay. So, like, this year, my brother makes a mean cornbread casserole. Boom. And it's, That's it's, fantastic. It's only a casserole because it's, like, a little bit more, like, looser than a cornbread. But if you let it sit a day, it's really good. Now we're talking. Um, it's not dry. It's it's got real corn in it. It's 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 good. It's good. Like they say on Family Feud. Good answer. Good answer to the board. Yeah, I made one the oh, I made one the other cornbread year. Cornbread casserole. 
Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. 14 people. I made one the other day when we, or the other year when we did Friendsgiving. And I made one, I made two because there's a decent bit of us. And I made one with jalapenos and one with not. And I got destroyed for making one with jalapenos. See, that, that, that brings up an interesting point. Are we have, I believe we're having a Worksgiving here tomorrow. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Sometimes they forget to put me on the company emails. I'm not sure how I feel about the Friendsgiving or the Worksgiving. Because we're going to have Thanksgiving Thursday. Well, we have. So a, I think what you need to do, if you do a Worksgiving, it's got, like, I think the rule has to be it can't be Thanksgiving food. Like, you have to exclude turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes. Like, make a list. So I'm always a fan of a lot of food around the, the office, don't get me wrong. But I don't want to have Thanksgiving three days in a row. You know what I mean? So we did ours a little earlier, and ours also ended up just being a, a giant party where someone was punching the leftover apple pie. See, and that's it. It it's, was fun, though. It was a good time. Parties, you just give them different titles, but they have the same purpose. I mean, purpose. we were also in college, so it's a different story. Every party has the same purpose. The guy is drunk. Just put a different title. A table was broken. Uh, a table so was, there was a Bills fan there. As yes, um, and you might know this Bills fan. I won't, say, I won't name names. I, Luke Owens? I, I'm not naming names. Luke Owens? Naming names? I'm not naming names. It's time for the blind side. Let's do it, baby. What you got? All right. First one. Power rank these weekend events. Power rank these weekend events. Okay. You got Thursday, Giants-Cowboys. Okay. Friday, USA-England in the World Cup. Saturday, Michigan-Ohio State. Um, Number one, Bills-Lions. Well, I I left that that out. Not that trash game that you just... Well, I left out Bills because that's obviously number one. Whew. Or you can, or you can Patriots. Oh, what's it? Patriots Vikings. Take that one too if you want. All right. I'm gonna go Michigan Ohio State one, actually, because that game is huge. It's been huge the past few years. Huge college football implications. It always delivers. Two. USA England. I'm not a huge World Cup guy, but that's that's interesting. It's a game. That's a game. That's like there's some juice there. And three Giants Cowboys. Because I think the Cowboys are gonna smoke them because the yeah. Giants are just too banged up right now. My bad guy for rooting for England in this game. So let me let me let me explain. Yes. My dad is from England. Okay. He, he moved here All like right. twenty six years that ago. That gives you something. All right. Um I also just love trolling USA soccer. See, no, that's that's unacceptable. And I also know more English soccer players than American soccer players. Two out of your three reasons are junk. But you do have an in there if you have some well, English Listen, if I, if I wasn't yeah. English, I wouldn't be doing it. That That's, the, that's what brings me into it. Fair. All right, so I'm not a fraud. But I'll you're like it. that. You're you're like that. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about a lot about Thanksgiving. What are you putting on your second Thanksgiving? Not the first, but when you go back for more. See, th- I'm glad you brought this up. There's a whole strategy. There's a whole strategy to Thanksgiving. First plate, turkey, stuffing, cranberry sauce. Second plate, more turkey. Really? Now you bring in the mashed potatoes. Now you bring in, if there's some sort of bread, like my stepfather makes terrific uh, rolls, homemade rolls. And then there's always like a straggler. Like there's... My mom makes like this corn casserole thing, or I'll always bring a side dish nobody eats, like Brussels sprouts or asparagus or something, because you just need like an extra vegetable around, right? And then there's a strategy with the pies. 
Okay. There's usually about four different pies. So what you do is you take your plate, and each pie takes up a quarter of the plate. <laughs> so you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just so it's one slice of pie, but it's four slices of pie. So you're eating an entire pie. It's almost like the turducken of pie. You right, take the pecan, you take the pumpkin, you take the apple, and you take the random other pie that's usually there, like the chocolate cream pie, and... You, you 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 measure it out so it's one plate, but it's four different pieces of pie. Brent, how much do you eat on Thanksgiving, dude? I go I an go hard. Pie? I go hard on Thanksgiving. Hard, okay. I am all in. I would. Love it's a to. sight oh, to man. see. I need. Maybe you need to post your Thanksgiving plate. I don't. Maybe because it or might like, be good content. Or send them my way. But everybody curious. does that. I'm curious. I'll take pictures and show you. Okay. How about that? Okay. I have a great Brussels sprout recipe for you uh, during the. Let's go. So if you want, if you want Lo- some food advice, stick around. Get that, guys on to me, that's com. the dividing line between child and adult is when you actually enjoy Brussels I sprouts. Brussels sprouts are phenomenal. They are so good. They're phenomenal. What was I missing as a kid? They're great. You roast them and they're sweet. Oh man, let's go. Uh, let's what go. is the best sports day? New Year's bowl games, right? New Year's Six bowl games. Uh, the best NBA, sports yes. day. NBA Christmas. Okay. NFL Thanksgiving, or if there's a wild card that I forgot you can throw. It's none of the above. It's actually, I think the best sports day is the divisional round in the National Football League. Because those games always yeah. deliver. I kind there's of There's four great games on. Technically, it's a weekend, right? Not I'll, give day, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. You'll give it to me. Close second, you probably have to say Thanksgiving. Third, first day of the NCAA tournament. That's not really a holiday. I was kind of giving like a oh, holiday. Oh, you're talking holiday. Oh, yeah. okay. No, that's different. Yeah. So what's the best sports holiday? Yeah. New Year's bowl games, NBA Christmas, or, or NFL. Games. See, in that case, putting the holiday tag on it, I go New Year's Day because the outdoor hockey game. Oh, the Winter Classic. Winter Classic. Hasn't lost luster for you? Absolutely not. Not at all. Kinda I at love all. the Winter Classic. And there's college football bowl games on. There's always random basketball games on. Great sports day. Underrated sports day. Used to be owned by bowl games, but now a little bit of everything. Uh, to round out blind, the blind side. Okay. Who wins more games the rest of the way? The injured, struggling Giants that have a tough schedule the rest okay. of the way? Or Zach Wilson's New York <laughs> I actually think the Jets, because they're going to make a quarterback change, ride that defense to some more wins. Oh, I hope the so. Giants are too banged up. They're just they're they're and losing. They have a tough schedule. Tough schedule, banged up. Everything starting to turn on the Giants here. By the way, Jordan has left a note here. I don't include gravy as something. Gravy's just standard, right? Because I forgot to mention gravy. Ryan was all in on gravy. That was like, it sounds like he eats his Thanksgiving dinner out of a bowl, and it's just I gravy didn't soup. realize I had to list gravy because it's not a food item. Gravy is a topping. It's not like a food choice. It's something you put on the food. It's not It's not on the list. If Jordan disagrees with me. This we'll probably discuss during semantics. this upcoming new sports talk break. That's exactly right. It's semantics. Like, I don't put gravy on the list. It's just there. It's, I'm not slandering gravy. I love gravy. So, well, <laughs> but it's just like, why do I even have to mention it? It's just standard. I have a great troll question for you. Okay. So if if you don't really count condiments as part of the meal, if I say, "Hey, you want a hot dog?" and it comes with ketchup on it, 
Now that's blasphemy. <laughs> Back after this.